0: Welcome back to the Cannibal Podcast. This week is cult week. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Cults. Yes, woo cults. If this is your first time at the Cannibal Podcast, which it probably is, because it's my second time at the (laughs) Cannibal (laughs) Podcast. (laughs) If this is your first time, just know that I switch from doing a cannibal case to a cult case, keeping the same guest from the week before. Hi, I'm Caitlin. This is Caitlin. Her, her info will be in the bio. And this week we're talking about the Branch Davidian Seventh-day Adventists. So you've probably heard of um, the Seventh-day Adventists, and if you haven't, you've probably heard of the Branch Davidians. And if you haven't, then you've probably heard of the Waco Siege. And if you haven't heard of the Waco siege, then you've probably heard the story in passing to some capacity. And if you haven't, then that's okay, because I'm going to pretty much explain all of it to you. Caitlin, what do you know about the Waco siege? I, l- I don't know anything. Like, okay. as a disclaimer, like, I really don't. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so, like, fresh perspective. I didn't brief her at all, because I was super unprepared. No, that's cool. <laughs> it's going to be fresh. It's going to be fresh. It's going to be fun. I'm going to start off with... um. A history I wish I could say brief but it's gonna be it's gonna be most of it <laughs> the branch Davidians branched off of the Shepherd's rod which came from the Seventh-day Adventists which was a branch of Millerism so we'll start with the history of the Seventh-day Adventists then the rod then the branch the Seventh-day Adventist church is a denomination of Christianity which is distinguished by its observance of Saturday as the Sabbath which came from the Millerite movement From the mid-1800s of the United States. yeehaw! We love the U.S. We love the U.S. here at the Cannibal (laughs) Podcast. We have the best cannibals. (laughs) True. (laughs) So I'd love to go into Millerism, but I could keep breaking this down into larger denominations, like, forever. So the Millerites believe that Jesus would return between 1843 and 1844, which eventually Mm -hmm. would lead to the Great Disappointment... (laughs) <laughs> Which is um, just a bunch of Miller Millerites being like, Jesus didn't come back. This sucks. Oh, no. <laughs> Several Adventist groups sprouted up um, from them after the Great Disappointment. The main belief was that Jesus's return was imminent. So they were all of them were pretty much like doomsday cults. Well, no, the Adventists aren't a cult, as far as I know. As the church was gaining traction, it was facing judgment from other Christian denominations because of its belief in Arianism. That's Arianism with an I, not a Y. It has nothing to do with white supremacy. Oh, okay. That was my first thought of (laughs) Well, You you didn't see what she turned to me and she was like, excuse me? (laughs) Arianism basically just means that because Jesus was created by God the Father, there was a point in time when Jesus did not always exist. So they don't believe in the concept of the Holy Trinity. Um, And because they believe that Jesus didn't always exist in the same way that God did, all of the Adventists were uh, declared heretics by... All the other Christian denominations. Yikes. Heroin X. No. <laughs> Falls. <laughs> Which th- it's just so silly to me. Like it's silly how these nuances that are absolutely impossible to know can mean the difference between eternal life and eternal damnation. Yeah. Like that's such a small thing. It's like, hey, maybe Jesus was actually born and then they're like, You're all heretics and you're going to hell. Pretty extreme. Isn't that isn't that just silly? That's silly because all religions are basically the same. Kidding, that's not true. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> right. I mean, when you're really... When, when you, you think about it. When you boil it down. Boil it down to the bones. Thanks world history. Yeah, Jesus but... Jesus was a real person. I mean, probably. We think... We, we're pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> because of their belief in Arianism, the Seventh-day Adventists would be regarded as a cult by other Christians. Yeah, so, believing the man who was... Born from a virgin didn't always exist at the same time as God was the last straw, you know. Mm. That's really that's really where they cut it. I have um, a fun connection. This uh, low view of Adventists would continue into modern day. One connection is the disappearance of Azaria Chamberlain. That's the a dingo ate my baby case. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Oh, what ate your baby? Okay, <laughs> so it was a this um yeah this Australian couple. Oh, I don't have their names written down. That sucks. But this Australian couple, they were basically camping with, like, a bunch of other people. And um, this quote was falsely attributed to the mother. They say that she, like, went around screaming, a dingo ate my baby. They were in Australia. (laughs) 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 Anyway, it was a horrible, horrible case. People thought that they... Oh, my God, she's still laughing. A dingo is a thing in <laughs> Australia, Caitlin. It's like a, here, let's look. It's like a dog, but its head is bigger than its oh body, god, and I that's was, how you know it's different I was so from a imagining dog. It's a bird. I don't know why. Oh my god. Oh, look, I have the name Lindy Chamberlain Creton. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. It's okay. Okay, so Caitlin doesn't know what a dingo is. <laughs> it looks like a coyote. Aren't they cute? They They're pretty like, cute. I'm they look sorry. like dogs, but the way that you know they aren't dogs is because their head is like bigger than their shoulders. Okay. A dingo. Oh, it's so pretty. It really it looks like a wolf. It looks like a beautiful dog. Hmm. Okay. Okay, so... So. <laughs> so, the... the A dingo ate my baby case. Um... Oh my god. The couple were Seventh Day Adventists. People thought that they were responsible for the death of their baby because no, they didn't find the body. I don't know if they ever did. I'm gonna say they didn't because I believe... Dingle really did take the baby, but they, um, people had prejudice against them from the fact that they were Seventh-day Adventists. Dude, that sucks, because then they never, like... Yeah, they, a lot of people thought for a really long time that they were responsible. That's enough of that. There's a really good episode of My Favorite Murder about this case. In 1929, a man named Victor Hautef claimed a different interpretation of chapters 54 through 66 of the book of Isaiah and believed that the church was in need of reform. He was a Seventh-day Adventist, by the way. Okay. The next year, he was disfellowshipped for promoting heretical doctrines. The same year, he would compile all of his ideas into a 172-page manuscript called The Shepherd's Rod. His purpose was to call attention to the abominations present in the church and begin reform. Wow. Yeah, got anything to say about that? About the 172-page stuff. yeah seems like he was pretty passionate about it seems like he was really passionate about these chapters of Isaiah that said this I don't have many uh biblical knowledge but that seems like a lot to get from like one chapter of the yeah Bible. well it was um it was actually 12 chapters so check your research okay well, but a chapter is like a, page, <laughs> a couple pages. pages in the Bible yeah okay well yeah I believe him yeah <laughs> no. Anyway, Hotef, <laughs> Hotef? Anyway, I'm handed- gigglier on this one. <laughs> it's kind of a problem. He handed his manuscript to some important people, and the ones who read it ultimately said something along the lines of, your interpretation of the Bible is totally whack and you need to stop. But a lot of them didn't read it. So they, they were just they like... Were, they just kind of like threw it away or like left it on their bookshelf. And he was like, hey, you guys, did you read my manuscript? And they were like, oh, I haven't gotten around to it yet. But you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> But my friend here said you need to literally stop, and also you've been disfellowshipped. Why are you here? Oh. But, yeah, it's almost like you can't base the entire existence of literally everything on an incredibly vague book that can only be interpreted subjectively, you know? T. After he um, gave people his manuscript, a bunch of inner church stuff went down. He was, like, sued by the church with, like, their inner church government. And mm. anyway, he officially, he made his own group that was officially organized in 1934. As someone who was raised as part of a church that didn't have, like, its own government, that's just so weird to me that religions act like they have some kind of authority over people, you know? Yeah, I like, feel like that's what kind of separates, like, cults versus, like, churches. definitely. It's, like, the whole, like, system of we are, like, there's, like, a leader that, I don't know, wait, that's kind of crazy because that's kind of what priests do, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was going to say you have experience with... Catholicism. so did you ever come in contact with their, like, organized government? I mean, like, to a certain extent, like, there's definitely, like, I don't want to say, like, a, a system, but people who have been in the church longer are definitely held at higher, like, not higher, st- I guess higher standings than those who are right. newer to the church, and, like, there's a lot of, like, family aspect to, like. Yeah, because they, uh, <clears throat> Catholicism is a sect of Christianity that has um, kind of, not like a rigid government, but they definitely have um, an internal government that yeah. they use. Based on, like, who's been, like, baptized, Mm -hmm. confessions and stuff like that. It's definitely, like, the same. Not the same type of system, but it's similar. There's definitely similarities. So that's that's just always been weird to me because my church was, like, really low-key, even if it was, like, super into God, you know. But we didn't have, like, a government. If anyone ever tried to tell me what to do, I'd just be like, no, go away. And if I was ever, like, if anyone ever got, like, super upset about what they were saying, they could just leave they wouldn't be disfellowshipped yeah more freedom right so i think you're right i would say you definitely have to have some kind of internal government to even begin to be considered a cult i think that's that's definitely where you start seeing the cult behaviors coming up soon after organizing followers of the shepherd's rod also sometimes referred to as the rod or the davidians Mm -hmm. desired a stronger centralized location to consider its headquarters April of 1935 189 acres of land were purchased near the outskirts of Waco, Texas. They moved their head Go on. It's just why would if you're going to start a cult why would it be in Texas? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but like that's just you where could they choose, were. You could choose so many better locations and you choose Texas to Maybe start your super cool cult. <laughs> like <laughs> Texas sure. land is cheap. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm sure Texas land's a little cheaper. Yeah, they were on the outskirts of Waco. It'd be so Do much even... cooler if they were like California, like California by the beach. Actually, <laughs> part of this church didn't um go to California. We'll get into that in a moment. Anyway. Sorry, but Texas. <laughs> I'm offended. I'm offended that the cult didn't <laughs> be more creative. They moved their headquarters here and named it the Mount Carmel Center, which is a biblical reference to the Bible where the Israelites decided to continue worshiping their traditional Abrahamic God. Down at Mount Carmel, they started setting up extensive farming operations, including, like, grazing land for dairy cows. <laughs> there was a school for children, a vocational school, and other improvements made to the property. So, like, the school, was it just to teach the teachings of the cult, or were they actually, like, educated I mean, who knows? Like, I feel like part of cult leaders hold on their people is they keep them uneducated. Definitely. So I wonder if those kids were being it what was they were being taught. probably like a school to appease the legal desires, but then also, like they're not going to teach evolution, yeah, right? Right. They have everything at the Mount Carmel Center. Why would anyone ever leave? All you need is there. You have food, you have livestock, you have schools, no one needs to leave. We're already starting to see the cult aspects, and the ultimate leader has not even shown up yet. They called themselves Davidians as a representation of their belief in the restoration of the Davidic kingdom of Israel. They they were super into King David, you know? Loved that guy. Oh. you <laughs> trying to remember who King David was? David and Goliath. Yeah. That's the first story of him. Your guess is good. We don't know the Bible. Actually, I know a pretty much a lot about the Bible, but I don't remember what King David did as, like, king, which I probably should. They had some some good years until Hotif died in 1955, and there was a fight. What? <laughs> I'm just thinking about the dingo again. Oh, my God. That was a real, that was a tragedy. I know. A baby got killed, Caitlin. <laughs> Please Stop. I didn't mean to laugh. You should have just ignored it. I can't stop. I'm going to drown myself. Stop. <laughs> I would have died in 1955. <laughs> And there was a fight for power over the church. (laughs) Months later, Benjamin Rodden (laughs) claims to have received revelation from God that he was supposed to lead the church. He was literally just some guy. Yeah. Like, no one one bought it. There was um, an alleged prediction from Hotif that the 42-month period described in Revelations would start in November of 1955. Rodden didn't agree with the prediction, and there also isn't any proof that Victor Hodaf was actually the one who predicted it. So after Rodden was refused the leadership and he rejected the 42-month prediction, he formed his own sect called the Branch Davidians, and th- these are the guys that we care about. The name is a biblical allusion to the branch mentioned in Zechariah. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, Mount Carmel was left in the hands of Victor's wife, Florence. People left, leadership had money problems. Lawrence left, and the remaining 77 acres that hadn't been sold off in an attempt to save the church ended up in Benjamin Rodden's hand, leaving the Branch Davidians in charge of Mount Carmel. Mm. Isn't that fun? Good for them. (laughs) (laughs) Good for Benjamin Rodden. He got what he wanted. Was he the random guy? Yeah, he was the random guy who was like, I feel like God's telling me I'm supposed to be in charge here. Okay. I mean... Power move, maybe it was. Power move. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> God crashed their church. <laughs> <I> okay. <don't care. laughs> Things pretty much plateaued until 1978 when Benjamin Rodden died. Followers were torn between allegiance for Lois Rodden, his wife, and George Rodden, his son. Mm-hmm. Lois did eventually end up with authority over the church, though. Good. Female in power. Good for her. Something fun about the Branch Davidians, they thought that the Holy Spirit was um, a feminine spirit. Ooh. Isn't that fun? That is fun. It's a nice change. It's a nice change of pace, I think. <laughs> Where do I sign up for this call? Well. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, they still exist. No I don't way. know if they still believe that. I don't know what they believe. I could have. We could have gone into the modern day. I think I'm going to add in the future... some additions to this episode because I did not do as much research as I wanted to and they're a really interesting group so I think sometime in the future I'm going to come back but yeah Lois ended up with authority over the church in 1981 a man named Vernon Howell arrived at the Waco compound he was generally well received and he changed his name for reasons that I'll get into in a little bit but I do want to mention it now because I don't like to call anyone by a name that they don't refer to themselves as anymore. The name he preferred was David Koresh, and I'll explain why he chose that shortly. He began to have an affair with prophetess Lois Rodden, who was in her late 60s at the time. That's uh, not good. (laughs) He was like 20? Yes. In 1981, Koresh, who was still called Vernon Howell at this point, was 22, and he wanted to have a child with her because he believed this child would be the chosen one. Does he know that, like, genetically... Let's talk <laughs> about this, right? Like, so, she's in her late 60s. Mm-hmm. He's 22. Well, first of all, that's gross. But <laughs> second of all, it, he's not very smart. He okay. can't have a baby with... His- right. Okay. Me, and, me and Michelle were talking about this earlier. <laughs> like, does he not know how women's bodies work, oh, one, okay. or does he think that God will magically, like, mm. somehow provide a way for them to get pregnant, or... Does he just think that like saying that will like give him clout? Oh, <laughs> you know? Like does he know there's definitely no way I'm going to have a baby with this woman? I don't know. I feel like with that type of like mentality, if he already like is talking to God, he probably was like if I put it out there, it'll happen. That's true. He could have just been like He de- it definitely seemed like he believed in what he was preaching. So it could be a mixture of all yeah, it could be like, I know realistically it won't happen, but if I say it will, maybe it will. Yeah. And if I say it will, then everyone else will like me. But yeah, he was having an, an affair with Lois for a while. And yeah, he wanted to have a child with her because he believed their child would be the chosen one. Koresh claimed that Rodin's son, George, who was 21 years older than Koresh... Just take, take some time to think about that for a second... He was 21 years older than his mom's boy toy. How do you feel about that? I don't know. Wait, so he was 20 and his mom's... (laughs) No, George is um, like 40. Okay. He's around 40. Koresh is 22. His mom is in her late 60s. It's just not good. (laughs) It's a little weird. I mean, it's not as drastic, I feel like, as the 20 to 60. I don't know. It's just weird. It's not good. It's not good. Koresh clashed with George. Lois dies. George inherits position as prophet and leader. And they start to butt heads. And Koresh actually ends up with a majority of the loyalty. Dang. Yeah. People people really liked him because he his band would like play for them. He would sing songs to everyone. The the youth really liked him because he was He was young, but he was still like. He was still, like, older than them, so he was, like, the cool young guy Mm -hmm. that everyone liked. So he got a lot of loyalty, and people didn't really care much for Rodden. Damn, those cult leaders and their charms. That's so true. (laughs) I'm so scared that one day I'm going to join a cult. I mean, I know I wouldn't. You really shouldn't. I'm not going to, but I'm saying I don't think I'd be the type to, you know? Hmm. I don't think I'm, I'm easily... Uh... I would if I got rich and famous. And... <laughs> <laughs> you would join a cult, like Scientology? No. I watched a documentary on Scientology, and now I'm <laughs> scarred for life. It was a Leah Remedy one. Yeah, I watched that. It really, like, messed me up. Yeah. But that's, like, that's the cult for rich people, though. Yeah. So what other cults are there? I'm not sure. Sh- the one with the Kool-Aid. They're gone, Caitlin. <laughs> okay, well, then I don't they know of any modern cults. They were not modern. That was, like... <laughs> no, I know. I don't know of any modern cults, then. Well, keep listening to the podcast. You'll okay. find some out. I think the Moonies are still around. They're pretty cool. I saw a video. You made me watch a video about the Moonies. Did I? Yeah, they were like getting married in like mass numbers. Oh true. They're they're wacky. <laughs> they're quirky. <laughs> they're really quirky. Yeah. Well, at some point Caresh and his followers left Mount Carmel. Um, they ended up going to California. Okay, see this is where they were getting somewhere. Yeah, but more. then they go back. To Texas? To Texas. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> like, Land is expensive in California. That's true. And I don't think there were that many. There were definitely a lot more people at Mount Carmel. (laughs) It's biblical, Caitlin. I'm sorry. In an attempt to regain support, Rodden challenged Koresh to raise someone from the dead. Okay. (laughs) Rodden exhumed a corpse in preparation for the challenge. And Koresh immediately turned Rodden in for bele- for illegal behavior with a corpse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, he's like, hey, I bet you can't raise from someone from the dead. And Koresh is like, oh, I don't know. Why don't we try? And then Rodden's like, okay, I got a body. And Koresh is like, hello, 911. <laughs> That's a power move I That's such a power move. Yeah. Koresh, I mean he went he went really bonkers towards the end, yeah. but he did some pretty fun stuff in his earlier he, days. In his early days, like having an affair with a sixty-year-old. <laughs> metal. <laughs> Very metal. <laughs> Sorry, we shouldn't be laughing. He's a terrible man. We shouldn't be laughing. Makes eye contact and bursts <laughs> into laughter. He was he was an awful man. He called the police. The police said he needed evidence, and Karesh and seven of his followers returned to Mount Carmel with guns. <laughs> That's escalated very. It quickly. seemed like they were trying to reclaim the land, but when they were arrested, they said that it was so that they could get proof of the body. I don't but believe that they didn't even have a camera with them. Mm. They came in with guns. They were just like, "I'm gonna take it over real quick," and then there were the yes. other people were like, "Hello, 911. Yeah, exactly. The cops. What do they? What do cops do when they, they were find cults? they probably pills? like, "What the hell?" <laughs> like, can you just calm down for a second? We don't want to deal with this. And he was like, "That's okay." <laughs> peace, there <love> was <laughs> peace and love, man. The seventies, like <laughs> this to, was the nineties. Oh, I thought this was the seventies. This is the nineties. Okay, so the nineties, the police were around, but they were like probably kind of busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We need to calm down. I know. We need to take some calming breaths. There was a trial. Some members were found guilty. Koresh was not. And after the trial, he invited the prosecution over for ice cream. Power move. Power move. That's his theme. See, he did some fun stuff. Like, he was like, guess what? You lost. <laughs> <laughs> but do you want to come chill? Right. Two years later, Rodden was imprisoned for murdering his roommate, Wayman Adair, who he claimed was sent by Koresh to destroy him. That's. That's not a power move. No. that's absolutely... Wait, he killed his roommate? He... Yes. Rodden killed his own roommate because he was paranoid and he thought Koresh had, like, sent, sent him, him to infiltrate. Yikes. He was declared not guilty by reason of insanity and confined to a mental hospital. Okay. After this is when Koresh gained control. Because he's out of the way. Yeah. Okay. Rodin's out of the way. Karesh is like, this is my church now. Motherfuckers. I'm sure that's what... Said. I'm sure that's what he said exactly word for word. <laughs> Quote me. Quote me on that. So, a brief background of David Koresh. As I said before, he changed his name from Vernon Howell to David Koresh after King David and the Hebrew translation of Cyrus, which is Koresh. He changed his name to represent that he was the spiritual leader of the branch Davidians, and he didn't change it until he got control of the compound after the initial siege enacted by him and his seven followers. So he's like Vernon Howell is dead, David Koresh, here I am. I mean, yeah. I guess if you wanted like a fresh start. Yeah. That's true. I feel like yeah. I would I would change my name if I needed a fresh start. <laughs> like or if like I was wanted running to take from, a from the cult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. It's like when Hannah Montana took off her wig. That's so true. It's exactly like when Hannah Montana took off oh, her wing. Oh, she's wig. like, I'm Miley. It's actually it's the opposite. It's when Vernon Howell put on his wig and he said, "I'm (laughs) I'm David (laughs) Oh, Okay, are they gonna say I'm Hannah Montana? (laughs) He said, "I'm Hannah Montana. I own Mount Carmel." (laughs) Things would be so much more interesting if they were all pop stars. He could have been a pop star. He well, he he was a singer. I know, I heard he was a pretty good singer. I one of their songs was on a documentary that I watched. It was it was cute. Was it like Foxy? Yeah, of yeah, it's folksy. Yeah, I would imagine so. Kind of, kind of Charles Manson. Mm. <laughs> I have feelings about Charles Manson. <laughs> Don't we all? Not, not feelings for no, Charles no, Manson. Feelings, feelings about, about Charles Manson, which I no, this isn't the time. Anyway, <laughs> you have to cut that whole thing out. No, it's okay. He was raised in a dysfunctional household by a fourteen-year-old single mother, Bonnie Sue Clark. He described his early childhood as lonely. Yikes! Fourteen year old mother. His mother was fourteen. His dad was like twenty two, I think. Wait, are we gonna get into the? We're little... gonna okay. we're gonna get into some stuff. But yeah, his dad was like twenty two. He never met his father because like, before he was even born, he found some other teenage girl. Rough. Yeah, real rough. Lonely. <laughs> Lonely childhood. He was bullied as a teen because he was dyslexic and he was placed in special education classes. Rough not like Bella Thorne. <laughs> not like Bella Thorne. we were talking about this earlier <laughs> she mentioned briefly that he was dyslexic and then we went on like a rant about our childhood in the Bella Thorne. about Bella Thorne. <laughs> God. <laughs> he was nicknamed Vernie they <clears throat> all of the the sources say he was nicknamed Vernie like as they're talking about like him being bullied and being in special education classes but that's just like the it's like a nickname. His name was, was Vernon. His name was Vernon. My sister, she was in here while I was doing my notes. She said if they really wanted to bully him, <laughs> they would have called him virgin. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, you're a virgin. Vir- virgin virgin Howell. <laughs> <laughs> we're, like, bullying him. <laughs> like, we're bullying him, like, from the grave. Ugh, that's, that's rough. rough <laughs> that's rough, man. That's rough. But yeah, that doesn't seem like blame to me. That was just his name. Unless he was like, guys, don't call me Vernie. It's dumb. That was probably it. That was probably it. He, he was, probably was like, like I'm literally a man. don't. That's true. He was probably like, I'm a man. Call me Vernon. Call me like, Vernon. Like, oh, whatever Vernie is. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. He dropped out of high school junior year, and by then he had memorized large portions of the Bible, which I bet he thought made him real cool. As all cool kids do. All the cool kids memorized large portions of the Bible. (laughs) Nicole would (laughs) know. He joined his mom's church, the Seventh Day Adventist. When he was 22, he found himself attracted to the 15-year-old daughter of the pastor, and he told him that he needed to marry her. I'm drawing heavy connections between his mom and his dad and then his choice to do the same thing. Yes, absolutely. So he told the pastor, I want to marry your daughter. The pastor said, get the fuck out of my church. So he left. <laughs> and he he stumbled upon the Branch Davidians and the rest is history. I, I'm, I think it's said that he got her pregnant before he left. That's the same thing his dad did. That's, oh my God, that's so true. I hadn't even thought about that. Yes. Absolutely. Maybe he, he was trying to like, man, never mind. That's Well. True. Like recreate it. That's, but like, yeah, but also like just kind of a thing that happens. People recreate the history of their parents sometimes. Sometimes unintentionally yes, as well. Yes, unintentionally. Yikes. And then hmm. it's weird to go from being attracted to someone who's 60 years old and then also being attracted to someone who's 15 Yeah, I don't know that he was really attracted to her, but she was definitely attracted to him. I I feel like it was more just for the power. Yeah, that makes more sense, actually. When he did take control, his followers were... eh. When he did take control, he encouraged his followers to see themselves as students of the Seven Seals rather than Branch Davidians. In fact, he was not even authorized to use the term Branch Davidians. He really just... Absorbed their church to acquire the land for his own compound. Power move. Oh, stop saying that. It's okay. That, I mean, that one really was. He's like, I don't even believe in this shit, but I'm about to take this land. <laughs> really, he, he believed in the the seven seals, mm-hmm. which is a Bible thing that I didn't research because <laughs> I'm I'm probably gonna go deeper into the Seventh Day not the Seventh Day Adventist. I'm probably gonna go deeper into the Branch Davidians on a future episode. This one was a little bit rushed, which I apologize for, but, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta throw some content out into the void. So, now we're at the main event. In 1989, Koresh used his power to take several spiritual wives. What's up with cults and polygamy? Honestly. (laughs) Caitlin just winked at me. But, like... (laughs) We actually have a local cult that we like to <laughs> mention. I mean, not mention, but you know, joke about. <laughs> anyway, our local cults—they they're pretty popular for polygamy. Anyway, some of his spiritual wives were as young as ten. Which our local cult, their their original leader, same. I I don't think polygamy is so much the issue as as it's, as pedophilia. Yeah, that's definitely defi- the issue there. polygamy is fine. Like in its own in itself, it's not better or worse than monogamy it's just it's the problem is with like people using their positions of power to take advantage of the young people yeah if anything it's it's the institution of monogamy that makes them think that they have to take these young girls as wives that's that's real creepy because then you're then you're trying to say that what you're doing is part of your religion and that it's okay no which looks reflects badly on your religion absolutely. So. Which reflects badly on our local cults, 100%. Stop calling it our local cult. They don't know who we're talking about, but we are. I am going to be doing an episode, hopefully. Uh, I'm going to try to get an ex-member to talk to me about the cult. I, I really, I do hope that that ends up panning out, because I'm really excited for that episode. Yeah, and maybe you'll even get to figure out what our local cult is. Uh, spirit wives. <coughs> Stop. <laughs> oh, God. On the 28th of February, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms issued a search warrant on the compound to investigate the claims of illegal firearms and child sexual abuse charges. Caress shut down the compound and forbid anyone for leaving, but it's not like they wanted to. ATF tried to breach the compound for about two hours until they ran low on ammunition. In the initial raid, four ATF agents were killed. Whoa. Yeah, this was during during that two hour period. So it was like a stakeout, but then they who opened fire? They had a search warrant. It's it's highly debated. Okay. 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 So basically in the initial raid, they were like flying over in helicopters. Something happened and the the Davidians started firing on them at the helicopters. But they said it was because, like, they heard something behind them. They were, like, walking towards the compound. They heard something behind them. And they thought that it was the helicopter shooting at them. Okay. And there's some there's some validity to that. It could have been ATF shooting first because they had they were told not to fire first. So they may have been trying to provoke them. Okay. Oh, yeah. But, and then they'd have justification for opening fire yeah, of the cult. They say that the Davidians were the ones who opened fire. Okay. And obviously they say it. Opposite. The agents who were killed were Steve Willis, Robert Williams, Todd McKeon, and Conway Charles LeBlue. Five branch Davidians were also killed Winston mm. Blake, Peter Gent, Peter Hipsman, Perry Jones, and J. Dean Wendell. Obviously, Koresh didn't like that because. Yeah. People dying is never good. After the initial raid, there was a ceasefire, which lasted about five hours until another Davidian, Michael Schroeder, was killed by ATF. He had reportedly fired a pistol at ATF agents while trying to re-enter the compound. According to his wife, he was returning from work and hadn't even, like, paid any mind to the siege. He was just trying to get back in. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was shot once in the eye, once in the heart, and five times in the back. Shooting someone in the back is... That's yeah, yeah. That's that's real rough, because if you believe what his wife was saying, he was just trying to basically get back home, and they were like, "Hey, you, bang bang." But also, they say that he fired first. But oh, yeah. But well, there were yeah. so many of them, and that just seems excessive to shoot that many terms. Then again, they had just lost five agents, so they were probably like. All these people are dangerous yes. and Yes, these people are all dangerous. We need, like, if we see any of them and they start shooting at us, we need to take them down because we don't want to lose any more of our men. Yeah. Which is understandable. Okay, I <laughs> I am talking quieter because ugh, my throat is just not in a good place. Do you have water? Do you need water? I'm fine. Okay. I just ran out, but I'm good. Okay. Because <clears throat> I'm, like, I can tell I'm, like, altering a little bit. Later, ATF agents established contact with Koresh and fairly early on got him to release 19 children without their parents in exchange for supplies. That's... That was within, like, the first couple weeks. Okay, so that wasn't, like, they were trying to get... Yeah, they they weren't, like, trying to get rid of the kids. mm -hmm. They obviously didn't want to let them go, but they were like, okay, we're going to starve in here, but we don't want to leave, so we'll give you some kids. And ATF was trying to get more children out. I feel like after, like, something that big happens, why would it be ATF that keeps, like, that's, like, the head of it? Like, shouldn't that be, like, for the—is it part of the FBI? Yeah, the FBI does eventually get involved, but at this point, it's, it's still ATF. I watched a documentary about the siege, and one of them included some recordings of the children talking to ATF agents. It was absolutely heartbreaking. One boy said he just wanted to be with his grandma, and the agent responded by, "Well, hopefully you'll let they'll let your grandma come out." And he was like, "Can't I go back in?" And he was like, "No." Mm. Yeah. Oh, and he um, he Koresh let them talk to some of the kids on the phone because he was like, "Listen to who you're hurting right now." And the ATF agents were like, "Hey, you kids want to take a ride in a tank?" What? Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, it was it was real rough. I think that the fact that the kids wanted to go back kind of shows the treatment of them. Like I don't I don't know if it's like hardcore brainwashing because mm. you never really know. But it's sad that they got like stripped of all that they knew. You know. Yeah, it, it's really sad that they were totally removed from like their parents. But Karesh the whole time was like, "We don't want to leave. You literally can't be doing this." But the thing is, they weren't raiding it because it was a cult. They were they had raided because they thought there was sexual abuse going on, mm. and because they thought that he had illegal firearms. Like so that's that's he, the whole reason. If he would have cooperated, it would have come out differently. Yeah, if he yeah. would have like been like, "Yep, here are my guns. You can take them. We're good," it would have been fine. But. Then again, they were a doomsday cult, so that wouldn't have happened. They believed that they needed those guns for the end of the world. Yeah. The children that had been left out had been physically and sexually abused long before the raid. One survivor said it was because they were a doomsday cult, so it made sense to hit the kids when they didn't listen immediately. Then I retract my previous statement about the treatment of the kids. Yeah, I mean, it was rough. I wanted to to get wait till I got into it. Yeah, never mind about what I said before. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, Yeah, they were definitely super indoctrinated, but she said that um, it made sense because even though she knew it was bad and she knew it was abuse, they needed to know to listen to their parents without question, because if the end times came, there could not be any question or hesitation. The kids needed to follow orders immediately. So they were they were basically just preparing the entire time. Like any time your kid doesn't doesn't listen to you, you need to slap them because they need to know that they have to listen to you no matter what. Because like if you're about to die, mm-hmm. your kid needs to be listening to you. I guess that mentality makes sense for them, but it's just yeah. horrific. It makes sense when you've been indoctrinated. Yeah. It's it's quite sad. On April nineteenth, right? Two months later. Wait, but they didn't give any justification to, like, the sexual assault of the kids either. Were they just? Oh, no, like, no. There like, was no justifying that. Yeah, so they they just, they weren't being like, the, it's the end of the world, so, like. Yeah, they weren't like, it's the end of the world, we need to, like, sexually assault our children. It They, this mom was saying it made sense to slap her kid across the face if they didn't listen, but absolutely no, no one was trying yeah. to justify that, except for Koresh with his child brides. Ugh. And then obviously, if he probably like his close people were like, yeah, this is cool. I'll do it, too. So there was definitely some kind of mentality of that. But no one was trying to like justify it in the documentary, obviously, because these were yeah. the survivors. So two months later, April 19th, they were still outside the compound trying to negotiate with trying to negotiate the release of more people. The FBI had moved in that day. The FBI attempted to complete the final stage of the siege. They came in with large weaponry and armored vehicles, and they attempted to use non-lethal tear gas to flush the Davidians out without bloodshed. That's kind of, I don't know, is it illegal? (laughs) It's not illegal. Because they have, like, just, they have a reason to believe that the people in there are in danger. Yeah, they think that the people in there are in danger, and also they're (laughs) dangerous, and they have guns. Yeah. (sighs) I feel like that's a better alternative than just going in guns blazing. Oh, definitely. (laughs) so... But, I don't know. There is a lot of controversy to how they acted, sure. obviously. I'll, I'll go into that a little bit towards the end. The Davidians fired on the FBI, and the FBI used more tear gas in return. And later that day, three fires started simultaneously in three different buildings. So the pe- members of the cult started the fires? Probably. Okay. There's controversy, but it was probably them. It was definitely them. To kill themselves. They'd rather die than, like, go with they They lit three different buildings on fire at different points. 76 people from inside the compound were killed, including David Koresh. The surviving 11 were arrested. One of the last things Koresh did was release a video to the FBI of members of his congregation saying they did not want to leave the compound. How do you feel? I don't know. I don't know. I don't... I don't know. It's like... (laughs) That's really sad because they just, they were willing to die. Like, they would rather die than leave. But that just really just also shows the amount of brainwashing. Absolutely. I mean, rather than just try to negotiate, they weren't in trouble because of their religion. They were in trouble. They should have just given up the weapons. Yeah. But if you're a Doomsday cult and you believe the world is ending and you believe that you need these weapons or else your family, your children, you're all going to die if you don't have these weapons... What do you do in that situation? The members of the congregation obviously weren't in on lighting the place on fire. And actually, Koresh was not killed by the fire. He was killed by a gunshot wound. From the FBI? No. From someone else? From probably him or someone else. Oh, okay. There was... um. He wouldn't have allowed um, them, allow them to. Oh, uh, obvious. He yeah. would not have... I mean, at that point... Well, I don't know. Maybe, they, maybe if people wanted to leave, he would have. Because he had let children out, but that was at the very start and they hadn't let any more after that. You think you would have enough food for a couple weeks if you were a doomsday cult? More plan beat. They did. They did have a a lot, but there wasn't enough. I just the fact that he himself was shot rather than having died in the fire is so telling to me. Cause he's he's ready. I mean, I guess that's the most efficient way to kill a compound full fo- of people is to set three fires where they can't leave Mm -hmm. they can't leave they're on total lockdown towards the end like there were people screaming obviously because there is a fire they're like there's a fire in here and there's fire shooting throughout all of the buildings there are people just in there burning and david koresh by the time the fire is killing people, is already dead. He's not suffering from the smoke. He's not inhaling smoke. He's not being tortured to death by flames. He's dead. He was shot in the head. He's gone. He didn't he die was, with his people. He like didn't them. die with his they people. They would have won. Want- oh, he God. He was a fucking coward. Yeah. Yeah. Is this, like, one of the conspiracies that he killed himself? Probably. <laughs> like- <laughs> I mean, I I actually don't know. I think that he did, but I'm not sure. And he might have had someone else kill him, or someone else might have been like, David, this is this is too much, I don't want to do this anymore, bang. Probably not the last thing. Yeah, that's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy, man. Coward. He was a coward. He lit a bunch of people on fire. The Branch Davidians are still around. Yay. I don't get that, but okay, <laughs> like... Okay, there were a bunch of survivor interviews, mm-hmm. um... One of the documentaries I watched was it was 100% survivor interviews. There was no comment from like the documentarians or the interviewers themselves. It was just survivors talking. And um, I want to say it was four people who were saying that everything that ATF and the FBI did was totally unreasonable. And they were just trying to live their lives. They had everything going for them and their family was decimated because of the FBI. It was, oh, it was so sad to hear. They were still defending him. They were still defending Koresh. Even though? Even after everything that happened, they were still saying that. And it, it, the FBI could have reacted differently because they they went in there like it was a military siege. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It was, It was a compound with a bunch of people with children inside. It just needed to, like, better understand the mentality of the yeah. people that they're working with, which I think is a theme that law enforcement need to get behind. Absolutely. But, I mean, then again, they did have a bunch of weapons, and they were trying to protect these children. And they were being violent. They didn't know how else to do it, but they obviously didn't react in the best way. Then again, the Davidians weren't... Ready to compromise, and they didn't want to try to work anything else out. There's um a conspiracy theory that ATF or the FBI are the ones who lit the compound on fire. Oh. Yeah, to cover up how botched the investigation went. Dang. Yeah. That, I mean, I guess that would make sense as well. Yeah, but I the fires came believe. from inside the, <laughs> they came from inside the compound. So, the... the that forget would have had to gone. They would they have had, had to. They animals. would have had to be inside of the compound, which is what they were trying to do. Yeah, they I don't would have, that one. They would have had to already completed their mission in order to botch it that badly. <laughs> Maybe they did. <gasps> <'Cause- laughs> <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. they were like alright we got in time to burn this shit down <laughs> yeah <laughs> this got really dark this is sad <laughs> I don't like this ending look at how much quieter this audio is and then they were yeah. like cannibal cannibal and then this <laughs> one's like this is like really sad like we're looking at the 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 visual of the audio and the beginning is like so loud and upbeat and then there's just this little dip where I'm talking about the, the siege and everything oh <sighs> The The dingo, we were laughing. The dingo. And now we're now we? crying. <laughs> no. Yeah. So that's the story of the Waco siege. That's it. That's really, that's the ending. 11 people survived. Um, How many died? A lot. 76. In the fire. Plus the four who were killed by ATF, so that's 80. Plus the five ATF members, so that's 85. That's insane. Yep. In a two-month-long siege. I like happy endings. I also like happy endings. So I think most people do. I think next time maybe I'll do a, a happy ending where the the cannibal gets caught <laughs> or something, you know. Yeah. I think most of the time they do. Well, obviously I, c- I can't do an episode on them if I don't know who they are. Maybe we'll do a I'll do a happy cult next time. Like the hippies? Like the moonies are hmm they, they're bad. <laughs> they're not that bad though. They didn't kill anyone. Suicide, but not not mass Murder. Anyway, there was, um, here's something to lighten up the mood. There was an episode of Criminal Minds about, uh, about the Branch Davidians. Oh. Yeah. That was, I liked that episode. That was a good one. What? Was it the same thing? The FBI going in and fucking trashing the place? (laughs) (laughs) Well, kind of. It's like, they, they let, um, they let Reed and, shoot, what's, what's her name? The girl? Prentice. Yeah. Prentice. Yes. They let, they let Reed and Prentice in. And then, like, by the time they went on lockdown, they were still trapped in there. Ooh. Yeah. He, like, but it, it was, like, the amazing. mom of the leader's child bride who called them. They were like, here, we're just here, like, making sure you're not being sexually abused. And she was like, get the fuck away from me and my husband. And they were like, okay. <laughs> I, really, I like that episode. <laughs> so, if you want to learn a little bit more um, <laughs> about them (laughs) right if you if you want to hear more about the fictional waco siege uh, (laughs) this is not in criminal minds (laughs) yeah much less accurate than the cannibal podcast but i have another podcast called unsub that i do with my sister michelle and we go through episodes of criminal mind so eventually we'll cover that one and i'm looking forward to it because i like that episode Okay. I like I like Spencer Reed. You can reference this one. And be I will like, yeah. we know about them. I'll be like, go back to episode two of the cannibal podcast. This is sad. This is a bad ending. I'm sorry you guys. I wish we had more to I give I wish I had more to give you. Like the, the branch Davidians were super wacky and like <laughs> they did bad things. David Koresh. Do you mm. have anything else to say? Anything at all? I, I wanna keep talking about this a little bit more. I wanna do some more analysis, some more opinioning stuff. No, <laughs> David Koresh, he was an interesting guy. He was absolutely the worst man in the world. I, yeah, well, yeah, he was really bad. Well, not, <laughs> not the worst man in the world, but but he was up there. Yeah. I don't know. I want to just know what kind of shifted from him being like a happy strumming in a, him on strumming on his guitar, like yeah. influencing the youth to being like, I'm so desperate for power, I'm going to start this club. Yeah. Take it over. Well, yeah, he didn't even start the cult. Yeah, he just went in because the other guy went crazy because of him. Mm -hmm. He was just like, hey, I'm a cult leader now. He wasn't a cool guy. What is there like? So he had wives, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them were children. They all all died? Yeah, I think all of them. I'm not sure. I wish I knew who had died. I believe most of his wives. His wives? I believe most of his victims did die. (sighs) yeah this is a bad ending i'm sorry you guys come back next time i'll be talking about hold on oh yes okay so come back next time i'm going to be talking about armin mavis i don't shoot that's not how you say it come back next time i'm going to be talking about armin mavis or mavis mavis i'm going to be talking about armin mavis which is I hate to say he's one of my favorite cannibals, but he's one of my favorite cannibals. All right, okay, that's valid. It's not a cannibal support group. It is. This is not a cannibal support group, and this is not um, an encouragement to. This start is your not own a cult. Yeah, this is not encouragement to start your own cult. I mean, you can see how well it worked out for them. Yeah, there's not many successful cults out there. Actually, there are a lot of successful cults. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna be talking about them. Make this as like a like a reason to not join a cult. Like, yes. Yeah. You this is your encouragement to not Because be even if you think the cult leader is like a super chill guy, you never know when he's going to try to light you and your family on fire. And like not die with you. Yeah. he doesn't give a fuck. And shoot himself in the head because he's a coward. Anyway, next week I'm going to be talking about Armin Maivis, which is a really fun case. I'm going to start my research as soon as Caitlyn leaves. Okay, <laughs> bye. Because <laughs> I, I really love that case. So definitely come back. I'm sorry this episode sucked. I'm sad now. I made myself sad. I made Caitlyn sad. No, I'm fine. Caitlin's I'm, crying right now. She's weeping tears. I'm weeping for the poor people. She's weeping for the poor people. <laughs> <laughs> Not the poor people. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Oh I'm <laughs> mm. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry this episode ended up the way it did. <laughs> thanks for sticking around. Come back next week because Armin Mivis is one of my favorite cannibals. And I'm going to be doing a heck of a lot of research. I might just have to make it a double episode. Yeah. So come back. I love you.